0: Hi everyone, so today I'm just going to do a quick overview of Paper 2 for GCSE English Language. You're given two sources. Source A will always be a 20th century literary non-fiction text and source B will always be a 19th century non-fiction text. You're given an insert with your two sources. They are a little bit longer than what you'll have been used to probably for paper one. And so it's really important that you practice those reading strategies to make sure that you can get through the bulk of the reading um, within the exam time. So, again, you're given an hour and 45 minutes for this exam. So in terms of breaking down the time and what marks are available, starting with question one, again, it's worth four marks. You've got about five minutes to do it and it will always specify which part of which source you need to look at. So question one, you will be looking at source A and generally it's about the first paragraph or the first sort of handful of lines, if you like. So in, in this case, the, the paper I've got in front of me, it's from lines one to 13. Now, whereas with paper one, you're asked to write four statements about a certain topic, four things you learn. In this case, you're, it's a bit of a true or false game. And you'll be given statements labelled A, B, C, D and so on. And you have to identify four statements which are true. So um, you'll generally be asked to shade the boxes of the ones that you think are true. I kind of tell my class to go for a bit of a tick cross question mark approach when they first read it. So my advice is read the question, read the statements, then read the extract. And then you've got the statements in your mind of what it is that you have to look out for. When you then start to tick the boxes, if you know something's definitely right, you remember seeing it, you can evidence it, that's great, tick that box. If you know something's definitely wrong, you can think, right, leave that one, it's not that one, that's the cross approach. Anything you've got left over, which is kind of more you're unsure, your question mark response, you've got two options. Option one is that you go back through the extract and and try and work out which one's maybe trying to trick you out a little bit and, and make sure you can get the correct answer. If you're running out of time, you know, and it's a bit of a 50-50 kind of um, approach there, it's better to guess than to leave it blank because you might pick up one extra mark. So um, my advice for this one then is um, draw a box around the part of source a, that it tells you to look at and obviously don't go beyond there because that might influence the answers in the when you make the choice out of the list of responses you've got to tick from. Remember, you're only ticking the ones that are true. So you're looking for four true statements. Um, It gives you sort of um, options of what to do if you make a mistake as well. So don't panic about that. So that should be a relatively quick question just to get you going and you'll get a bit of a feel for sort of the, the type of source, the content of it, what it's going to be about. Now question two, that requires probably your maximum amount of reading time because it's asking you to refer to source A and B. So you're going to have to read through both sources fully. What I tend to tell my classes to do is as you read next to each paragraph, write one word to summarise what the content of the paragraph is because of course by the time that you've read two full sources through, um, you know, you might forget kind of where things are and it it saves wasting time later on rereading things if you can just kind of look to your own notes your own annotation at the side and and see what the content of the paragraph is so the paper I've got in front of me um, says both sources describe the type of board used for surfing use details from both sources to write a summary of what you understand about the different boards used by surfers Um, it's worth eight marks you're not assessed on language or structural analysis and that's where a lot of people go wrong for this question because they'll write some nice analytical stuff but it just isn't hitting the mark scheme so you're not going to be credited for it so what you need to do is think about um, literally just the specific um, theme of the question Circle the key question words. In this case, it's the boards used um, for surfing, not the surfers themselves. So again, it's about reading the question accurately, otherwise you're limiting the marks that you can get. Make sure that you've got active comparison taking place. So be using comparative phrases like both or similarly or on the other hand or um, alternatively, likewise and so on. And try and have an approach to get into a bit of a higher grade instead of just reviewing all of source B, then all of sauce, um, all of sauce A, then all of source B. Try and do what we call as, as dovetailing your answer. so you kind of got A B A B A B, and then that's encouraging you to actively compare throughout as well. Um, now, for an eight mark question, generally would say you know go for two p paragraphs. If you're kind of a little bit if you're struggling with inference skills um and you, you're generally producing a bit of a shorter p paragraph without doing your language analysis maybe you'll be able to do three different comparisons then um the more points you cover the more chance you've got of getting into um sort of like a seven or an eight out of eight um so it's about understanding the text in depth and having a range of different viewpoints about it getting all of the details um but as well as that I guess it's about layers of inference as well and and perception and showing that you've understood the text so when you're summarizing it I guess you're showing um what something could suggest in this case about the surfboards about how people feel about them or you know what their place is what they're used for what they're made of and what that could show um so it's important that you think of it as a point evidence inference and explanation paragraph rather than a a point evidence analysis style explanation okay so be reading between the lines looking for hidden meaning and coming up with some really perceptive original and and detailed in-depth responses when you're summarizing the texts but like i said no language or structural analysis so this is not the place to be writing about similes and metaphors and so on. <clears throat> so, the, you know, be trying to, um, in terms of a, a planning approach, try and either have a table of, of similarities and differences. If, if that helps you, you could have different colours, again, that you're using so for similarities and differences um, and, and highlighting the quotations you're going to use. Or it might be that you use your skimming and scanning technique to go through with one highlighter colour and highlight anything that says anything to do with the surfboard specifically in this case or whatever the topic of the question is and then you know to only look at those bits. Final thing I'll say about this question is whenever you're asked to compare remember it can be similarities and or differences okay so quite often it's going to be the differences in in this case because it's from different um, periods of history. Okay moving on then to question three It says you now need to refer to source B only, and again, it'll give you specific lines to focus on. So you've already read the whole text, draw a box around the relevant bit that you need so you know not to go any further. And it's asking you, uh, it's a how question. Whenever you see how, you need to think methods. Writer's methods is always linking to the word how. Okay, so how does the writer use language to describe? In this case, it's the surfers and the sea. When it says language you don't have the bullet points for this question like you did on paper one. Remember it said words and key phrases, uh, devices like techniques that are used um, and of course sentence structure is something you can comment on as well so make sure you've got the specific focus of what the language needs to be describing so in this case it's the surface in the sea and that you only focus on that bit so if you tend to kind of go a little bit off topic just highlight the relevant bits and then annotate them on the text before you transfer it and put it into writing as your answer Twelve marks generally what we're thinking about sort of 15 to 20 minutes probably of writing time and about three laid p paragraphs if you can um, try and sort of layer up those techniques like I've spoken about in previous podcasts, um, rather than just viewing it as three separate devices, three separate quotes. It might be that one quotation, a rich quotation that you pick out with lots of depth, lots to identify, might have six different techniques that you could comment on potentially. Um, and, and again, looking at the different effects from those. I tend to get students to think of this as a bit of a flowchart kind of approach where from the quotation, you'll pick out the keywords, the interesting words that link back to the the original point you've made. And you'll be thinking about identifying the device primarily if you can. Um, The word class, if you're looking at individual words, stating the denotation, the literal meaning, the connotations, the associations, the effect on the reader as a result of that, what it suggests about tone and therefore how that links to genre and therefore how that links to sort of the writer's aims and purposes. Um, remember, it's, it's you're not expected really to do context for this stuff, but um, where the sources are concerned, it'll always have a little box at the top of the source and it'll tell you when it was written, who wrote it, um, and probably roughly kind of putting it into context of what it's about. So you, you, can, you can draw on that if you need to as well. Um, so you have already been tested on this skill for paper one, Uh, section a question two. so it's kind of repetitive of that in in some respects except this one's worth 12 marks instead of eight and of course it's a different style of writing because it's non-fiction rather than fiction so some of the techniques that you are looking for might be slightly different Um, again to be getting into those higher marks it's about a layered original detailed and perceptive um, response to sort of use the kind of flow chart that I've just talked through there Um, then you move on to question four again it's worth most marks it must be a priority it's a 16 mark question therefore you're probably going to be looking at spending between 20 and 25 minutes on this and again you're referring to the whole of source a and b the chances are that you'll have to spend less time reading for this question because you've already read both sources fully through for source b and you've summarized what's going on in each paragraph at the side and therefore you only need to refer to the relevant sections so in this case the question I've got in front of me is compare how the writers convey their different perspectives on surfing you would only specifically look at the paragraphs that you've identified as being about surfing and again go through this time hopefully in a different colour for a different question um, like I'd advise you to do with paper one section A planning and you could be thinking about going through and highlighting anything that's specifically to do with surfing in the back of your mind thinking about what that shows about the writer's perspectives, their thoughts, their viewpoints, their feelings. And then out of those quotes, start to annotate only the highlighted bits for uh, methods, so language and structural features, because the rest of it's irrelevant, you don't need it. Um, And then that's helping you keep really focused rather than feeling um, totally overwhelmed by having to compare two full sources, you're just comparing two sets of highlighted quotes because they're the only relevant bits. Remember when it says compare, it can be similarities or differences. And in this case, you need to be focusing on the writer's viewpoints in particular, so how they think and feel. you give given bullet points again, it says compare their different perspectives on whatever the topic is, in this case, surfing. Compare the methods the writers use to convey their perspectives and support your response with references to both texts. So you've already highlighted the quotes, you'll have annotated them as your planning time and therefore the methods are within the annotation So the only thing that you need to kind of do off the top of your head, I guess, is think what what that shows about how they think or feel. And again, try and go for that dovetail um, response of, you know, either both source A and B do such and such. It's shown in source A in this quote and source B in this quote and then analyse them (coughs) so that you've got an A, B, A, B, A, B approach. The other thing you can do if you're looking at differences is it might be that you say, um... Source A uses um, a simile, whereas Source B uses a metaphor. However, both are to create imagery, so you might have some similarity and some differences. Or it might be instead of comparing by technique, you choose to compare by perspective. So you could say, for example, uh, Source A is very um, passionate and positive about surfing. This is shown through the use of repetition. Whereas Source B's writer is concerned about the dangers of surfing and this is shown through the use of an imperative. So you can compare by perspective or compare by method but just so long as you're comparing that's great and again be using those comparative phrases. If you're the sort of person that prefers to um, plan for this question again you could use some kind of comparative grid, Venn diagram, things like that or you could just use my method of kind of doing your active annotation and keeping all of your planning within the insert on the actual extracts themselves rather than on your answer paper. It's entirely up to you. Prioritise doing question four um, above all, <clears throat> and perhaps maybe make a question for your priority and do that first, um, you know, over sort of doing the more simple question one and two first, because Unlike with um, Paper 1 where I guess you're running through in chronological order and you've only got one source to deal with and the questions work through it chronologically as well. You know, with this one you've got, um, for question 2, you're you're asked to read the full sources then so you may as well just crack on and do that for question 4 already. Now, section B, you're probably going to have about 45 minutes remaining because remember you're going to have spent about 15 minutes reading, annotating and planning and 45 minutes answering for section A which leaves about 45 minutes remaining for the writing time. Um, It's really important that you plan for this question. That's an absolute priority. Again, I tend to tell my classes to do a numbered spider diagram plan with kind of branches coming off with relevant techniques planned for each paragraph. Um, Another thing that we quite often refer to for viewpoint writing is deforest features. So that acronym that you could write and tick the techniques as you've used them. So... Um, D is direct address. A is alliteration. F, fact. O, opinion. R, repetition. R, rhetorical question. E, emotive language. S, statistics. H, hyperbole. And I've just realised I've missed out T, rule of three. Um, Use those techniques if you can. Again, full range of punctuation, vary paragraph lengths, vary sentence types for effect, use effective discourse markers and sentence openers um, to convey your viewpoints, make your viewpoint very clear, try and think about what the tone of your piece of writing, do you want it to be kind of quite hostile and quite cutting, do you want it to be sarcastic, maybe a little bit humorous and quite witty, and and try to sort of portray that clearly when you're arguing your viewpoint. Remember nobody can um, comment on your opinion and what's right or wrong because it's your viewpoint. Um, The examiner is mainly focused on the quality of your writing so you're going to be given some kind of a quotation of some sort. So the one in front of me says, all sports should be fun, fair and open to everyone. These days sports seems to be more about money, corruption and winning at any cost. Write an article for a newspaper in which you explain your point of view on this statement. Okay You'll, with the quotation, straight away, you, you're probably going to either think, right, I know Stacks on this topic, I'm really confident and I can read loads on it, and those are probably going to be the people who are quite media-aware, watch the news, read a lot. You've probably got a lot of knowledge, you know, banks where you can comment on things. Fallback plan is to use the ideas from source A and B if possible. So in this case, it was about surfing. That's a sport. You could have conveyed that within this if in doubt, make it up, um, base it on personal or past experiences. Um, but don't just kind of flounder. If you want to kind of try and prepare for this in advance, like I said, watch the news, read articles, just be a little bit more, um, aware of what's going on in the world. Now, um, generally the topics tend to be on environmental stuff so for years we've been predicting is is plastic and recycling going to come up or you know uh, the the effect of plastic on nature and wildlife and things and it hasn't so far um given coronavirus would it be sort of more relevant that they might do something on vaccinations or global pandemics and mental health i don't know i don't think they tend to go political with this i think if anything it's going to probably be quite Um, accessible in terms of something to do with sport, healthy lifestyle, um, young people's opportunities, whether it be to do with like maybe travel, um, stuff like that. Okay. Um, So those are the sort of areas I'd generally say to research if, if you felt it necessary the other thing you need to do when looking at this question then is identify the genre or the text type the audience and the purpose and so in, in this case it's saying write an article for a newspaper that's your genre so make sure it's got the features of the relevant text type um the purpose is to explain your viewpoints um and of course the audience that you're writing to it's always going to be um above your own age group to show ambition um Sometimes it'll be quite specific, like it might say write a letter to your head teacher, arguing your viewpoints on such and such. And just see what you've got. But circle those words and and be specific of genre, audience, purpose. Although you won't be um, penalised too much, it might be that, for example, if it says write a letter, um, and you don't set it out like a letter, I just don't think that looks as strong. It's not showing awareness of, of text type in the same way. So just recapping some of the text types then. If you've got a newspaper article it needs to be relatively formal of course, Um, you need to have a nice catchy headline, um, maybe a couple of subheadings but I wouldn't put a subheading before every single paragraph because it looks like your paragraphs don't link or connect in any way that way and you're relying a little bit sort of heavily on them and it needs to have a strong conclusion. Typical things are probably going to be quotations from kind of professionals or um, people we could arguably trust, it's probably going to have facts and statistics I know it sounds a little bit back to front but you can make up your facts kind of thing it it, so long as you present it and word it like it's a fact that's absolutely fine um now if it asks you to do a magazine article again make sure you still put in the headings and same with an online article the headings and subheadings are kind of, I think, the most key thing as a, as a visual tool for showing that you understand that genre. Um, magazine article, or arguably even moving on to a blog, which could still have a heading, those might be slightly more informal um, or a little bit more kind of lighthearted and familiar in terms of the tone of the piece. If you're asked to do a speech perhaps to prepare you could listen to a couple of speeches i tend to kind of listen to some of the barack obama speeches and things martin luther king's probably one that you've heard before we've had lots of speeches on tv recently from politicians so look at the kind of key features of their speech quite often they've got kind of a um, the use of repetition and a catchphrase of some description haven't they that's repeated um quite often they will use anecdotes or little stories about um things they've experienced to make it a little bit more relatable or personalized and very often the use of pronouns there are quite significant to unite their audience and flatter them so or give them responsibility like we us um together we must to do such and such and and so on so so think about your um typical features of a speech if you get asked to do that And again, it's like a formal address, so um, dear fellow students, today I'm here to speak to you about such and such. Um, If you get asked to do a letter, you do your own address to the top right. If you want to write the school address or if you want to make up address, that's absolutely fine. Underneath that, you would put the date and then moving over to the left of the page, you can either put dear sir or madam or dear and then make up a name. Or for example, if it does say your head teacher, you can literally just write the head teacher's name. That's fine. Okay, um, you'd then put a comma after that and start your first paragraph directly underneath where your dear sir, madam ends. Now I tend to indent each paragraph so that every the start of every paragraph is in line then with that comma, and it makes it clear where a new paragraph starts. And it's again just showing that you're aware of uh, text type. Perhaps you could ask some of your parents to look at uh, maybe one of their letters to see what it kind of looks like on paper. And at the end, of course, you need an appropriate sign-off. I think if in doubt and you forget on the day, always just go with a kind regards at the end and kind of sign-off. Um, but, you know, if you could be using yours sincerely or yours faithfully as well. Uh, yours sincerely if you don't know them and yours faithfully if you do. Um, this is split then marks-wise into, it's worth 40 marks overall, but it's 24 for content and organisation and 16 marks for technical accuracy. So content and organisation, your ideas, uh, the way you paragraph them and make sure with each paragraph it's a different topic rather than you just listing all your ideas in the first paragraph and then trying to blag your way through the rest to make up two sides. View it as each paragraph is a different topic. Some of you will have been given um, a more formulaic approach and I know that a lot of you are used to kind of going paragraph one, three rhetorical questions, paragraph two, one word paragraph which states an opinion of some sort um like outrageous um paragraph three you give a really lengthy anecdote um lots of hyperbole in there and opinions and things um and and so on and then the next couple of paragraphs obviously create imagery of a more positive future and provide solutions and then you end with the same paragraph again that you started with which is your three rhetorical questions to give that kind of circular structure so you can go for one of the more formulaic tick box um, approaches to help you with structure and how to start things. Um, The the sentence openers that you're used to for those three rhetorical questions are um, have you ever thought, have you ever felt, have you ever believed in and then again you're just encouraging your audience to um, consider your argument, you're hooking them with those uses of rhetorical questions there. Um, and and generally that's going to probably get you a safe kind of grade five or six in terms of ticking those boxes but it might limit you a little bit higher up the mark scheme and if any of you would like um a copy of that structure that I'm referring to you can contact me via email or perhaps Mr Murphy as well because I know he has a copy of it okay then um Next thing that you need to be aware of then is that you've got 16 marks for technical accuracy. That's your spelling, punctuation and grammar. Think about ambitious use of punctuation and keep it varied. Um, Ambitious vocabulary and relevant vocabulary, of course. So no slang, no swearing, etc. And also where spelling's concerned, of course, be accurate as you can and proofread. um, But don't sort of limit your vocabulary at the cost of being worried that you get a word um incorrectly because it's more important that you try and make it ambitious okay um putting in those deforest features of course um whatever you do just make sure that your viewpoint's clear your sentences make sense it reads like a piece of writing rather than sounding like a piece of sort of speech um in particular, with that in mind, as a bit of a grammatical point, make sure you put you put things like should have instead of should of, um, so should have could have, you know, all those kind of things. Um, avoid start, starting sentences in a, in a speech like manner by saying um, you know so, or avoid starting the um, the start of each paragraph with a single word topic sentence. So, for example, if you were about to talk about rain, don't put rain. This is why I hate writing, okay? Um, those minor sentences don't really work as effectively. It just it looks like you're struggling with how to start. Um, even though this could be um, a letter or a newspaper article, you can still afford to create visual imagery. It doesn't look as effective to do it by layering on the simile and metaphor thick, but again, make use of adjectives and verbs and imperatives and things like that to instruct your audience how to create um, a better situation to be in line with your argument okay you may say that um I believe or I think and feel or you may choose to do it a little bit more subtly that's that's absolutely fine but particularly in your sign off in your conclusion make sure that your viewpoint's really clear um and that should get you a really strong grade overall if in doubt and you're struggling with the content of the question like i said it's more about the quality of your writing than the the ideas and how realistic they are as such it should be a question that's generally accessible for most of you but this is why as teachers we always bang on about you know it's really important you do private reading because there might be one word in that question that you don't know the meaning of and it could completely throw you and i remember an example of this a couple of years ago, there was a question five that was to do with um, hobbies and pastimes. <clears throat> and the students were thrown by the, the word pastimes and said, What on earth does that mean? So it's just if you get a word like that that you potentially could have come across reading, but um, you haven't because you're one of these students who says, I don't do reading, I don't like books. You know, listen to audiobooks, read as much as you can be constantly trying to build your vocabulary. um, And that's going to give you a lot more um, scope, a lot more choice of things that you can comment on. So in terms of how to revise for this paper, as usual, I say, you know, create your own um, papers or access past papers from AQA. um, Ask your English teacher for some. It might be that we have some made up spare. Go back through your old classwork books. It could be that you create, um, you know, you get a, a newspaper article and you try and annotate that for genre, audience, purpose, language, techniques. Or you get two papers that are on perhaps a similar topic and you try and compare them. Um, set them out maybe on a big A3 sheet of paper and have lines kind of crossing for similarities and differences. Um, be aware of text type, practice writing those different text type styles as well. Um, do a little bit of research on what they look like um, make sure you're up to speed in terms of punctuation and you're pushing yourself with that and sentence types so that you've got, you know, a wide range of stuff to comment on. So I hope that's been helpful as just a little bit of an overview and a basic recap of paper two. Um, if you have any questions, you can get in touch via Instagram or via email and of course if, if you do use Instagram and the resources that are on there and you've got any suggestions of things that may be helpful please contact me and I will do all I can to help.